Romans 5, or sorry, Revelation 5. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Oh, Father, we so look forward to that day where all voices declare your greatness. And uh, God, would we, even in this hour, be unified in declaring your might and power and majesty and glory, even as we look at your word and how you have worked through particular servants um, throughout redemptive history to bring forth, to reveal your greatness. We ask, God, that you would bless this time, and we ask in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome or welcome back. Uh, Holy Spirit, week number three. The first two weeks, just to, to uh, catch you up just a brief bit, uh, the first week we spent looking primarily just at the person of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that he is a person. He's absolutely a force and power, but he is personal, person of the triune Godhead. And then last week, we focused our time on speaking about how the Holy Spirit served as the anointing in Christ's life and ministry uh, on this earth. Today, as you can see uh, from our uh, initial scripture that we're going to look at, we're talking about apostles and prophets. So let me just read uh, for you Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. This is after... Uh, Paul is reminding the Ephesians that they had been brought near by the blood of Christ and through Jesus have access in one spirit to the Father. And he writes, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And uh, we rightly, I think, draw our attention to the benefit that we see uh, for ourselves as we look at that scripture, but we don't want to miss this foundational statement. That's a pun, I guess. The statement of the foundation of the apostles and the prophets that, that God has so arranged in the household of God. Uh, with Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. And so today, our time will be focused primarily on the Holy Spirit's work 
in and through the prophets and apostles. So we may not spend just a ton of time right here in 2019. Um, you need to come back. We'll, we'll get to that in the weeks to come. But, but we'll spend our time looking uh, throughout the scriptures uh, in, uh, in the Holy Spirit's work through the prophets and the apostles. Okay, so big picture before we go any further and, and sort of laser in on this, <clears throat> John Owen does, gives sort of a, a helpful taxonomy uh, of, of the Holy Spirit's work in and through people throughout the scriptures. And uh, I've, I've listed out just the big categories for you. Puritans are wonder, wonderful for categorizing things and breaking them out into their uh, elements. And uh, so John Owen does this for us as well. Big, big picture there is the extraordinary, the miraculous, the extraordinary, that, that which goes beyond uh, what would encompass the, the normal abilities of, of nature, whether that's human nature or, or nature as we see it around us. And then there's a big category of improvement, that is taking something that already exists and sort of turbocharging it. Um, and in the extraordinary, we have this category of prophecy, right? Hence, hence our time that we'll spend talking about prophets. Uh, authoring the scriptures and, and miracles or signs. And we'll, we'll dive into that uh, in, in greater detail here this morning. But also just to point out um, things that we won't, we won't dig into, but be aware of the Holy Spirit's work in improving things politically, uh, historically. So, so examples here from, from Numbers uh, 11, where the Holy Spirit was given to the 70 elders who helped rule wisely uh, uh, the people of God. First uh, Samuel 16, where the Spirit rushed upon David, not in battle, but, but to rule well as king. Um, in, uh, in a moral realm, also, we see examples of the Holy Spirit specifically uh, empowering uh, Joshua, Gideon, with fortitude, courage, uh, strength. In the natural sense, of course, we immediately think of Samson being uh, strengthened by the Holy Spirit for specific physical things. He's already a strong dude, but uh, the Holy Spirit uh, empowered him uh, to do things that are far beyond his, his natural ability. And then intellectually, uh, there's uh, further broken down into sort of the sacred act of preaching the word, the Holy Spirit working through uh, people in the scriptures to, to preach. And then what we would call sort of generally very everyday things. Um, in fact, the, the first reference in the scriptures to the Spirit empowering someone uh, goes to a couple fellows named Bezalel and Aholiab. These were artisans, craftsmen, who, who did the work of making the tabernacle, the tapestries and, and things, to make them beautiful. And specifically, the, the scriptures in Exodus 31 and Exodus 35 are references to the Holy Spirit enabling this work. So that's our big picture and again, give you some, some places if, if any of those interest you, those are, those are your homework, you can go off and, and uh, spend some time with those. But today, uh, we're looking at prophets and apostles.
So Hebrews 1.1, I have that there for you. We normally focus on the second half of that verse, but, but here's the first part of this. That long ago, at many times, in many ways, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so as we think about uh, a prophet, we really, we really get a good bit of a job description right here in this verse. Um, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. They were God's mouthpiece, as it were. Speaking or writing, uh, or, or both, uh, by the command of God. Here's a, a quote that, that I think is, is helpful uh, from George Smeaton, uh, one of the books that I'm using uh, through this study. He writes, The Holy Spirit supplied prophets and apostles as chosen organs, or we might say instruments, with gifts which must be distinguished from ordinary grace to give forth in human forms of speech a revelation which must be accepted as the Word of God in its whole contents and as the authoritative guide for doctrine and duty. And so, at a, very simply put, God is revealing himself um, throughout history as we see it un unfold in the Scriptures by means of, generally, pro prophets in the Old Testament, apostles in the New. Um, so what did, what did that in, in, include? I have a couple references for you there that um, I'll just read uh, for you. Exodus 4.12, this is, this is after God and Moses, after Moses is talking about all of his frailty and his consternation over whether he uh, can, can be involved in what he's being commanded to do. Um, God kindly speaks to him in Exodus 4.12. Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So there is a direct connection between the mind of God and the mouth of Moses that's promised here. Jeremiah 1.9 is, is much the same. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Um, and we, we can't help but miss how a whole bunch of the prophetic books of the Bible begin with, the word of the Lord came to, right, fill in the blank, um, Hosea, Joel, Micah, Zephaniah, Jonah, all have that formulation right at the beginning. And uh, thus saith the Lord is a common thing throughout the prophetic books as well. All of this speaks to not just really smart guys, right? This, this speaks to God speaking through these men, these people. It speaks to the authority and seriousness of, of the work as appointed messengers. Uh, this is more than, than uh, religious fervor or zeal or excitement, um, and, and it's more duty than dignity. That's, that's given to these folks. It's, it's, it's more about obligation, work that they have to do 
than some honor that is due them. Um, lest, lest we uh, they think wrongly about this. <clears throat> In terms of the actual work that we see, uh, we see them supernaturally accredited with signs. We'll talk a little bit more about signs here in just a bit. Uh, we see them calling the people of God back to the law or back to the Lord. We see them uh, reproving sin and declaring God's divine judgment, uh, whether that's upon Israel or her neighbors, uh, all of which tends to make one a fairly unpopular person uh, when, when that's your job. <coughs> so you'll see Isaiah 30, uh, 9 through 11. <coughs> uh, let me just read that for us. For they are a rebellious people. Uh, this is Isaiah. Uh, speaking to God, for they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, another word for prophet in this case, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right, speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel, right? Because coming face to face with the Holy One of Israel is a traumatic event. And that's as God, as, as a prophet is speaking the words of God, that's what's happening. And Matthew 5, 11 and 12, in the, in the midst of the Beatitudes, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <clears throat> Finally, um, prophets, and maybe this is the, the thing that we think of most, is, is in prediction, right? S stating something that will come to pass in the future, and most specifically from the Old Testament, proclaiming the, the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, their methods, as uh, mentioned earlier, spoken words, we, we hear the command, we see the command, go and declare, go and say to this people these things. Uh, written words, uh, whether it's on a tablet or a scroll, we, we see commands to Isaiah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah to do these things. Dreams and visions uh, is a method that, that shows up uh, to some degree in the Old Testament as well. We think of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, right? In the year that the king Uzziah died, what's next? I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord, right? Yeah, sitting on his throne. Um, sign acts, um, it, it, this is different than signs. This is, this is an object lesson, right? Heidi and I teach seven and eight-year-olds, right? We teach, then we do an object lesson. Okay, that's sort of like this, right? This, this shows up um, all throughout the prophetic writings as well, where God is instructing someone to go do something and then talk about it. This is what this means. We won't go into it, uh, but, but Jeremiah 13 is one example. Uh, Ezekiel is just chock full of, of things like this. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, where, where these, these prophets are called to go do something and then explain what they just did. 
so that the, the interesting part of this, I mean, there's several interesting parts of it, but one of the things we don't want to lose sight of <clears throat> is that even in the midst of dreams and visions and these sign acts, they both lead to words. They lead to instruction. That's the point, that, that, that the act isn't sort of by itself or the vision isn't by itself. It, it leads to instruction. It leads to words that are, that are edifying for the people of God. An, a next aspect of this in terms of the Holy Spirit interacting with prophets is just the power or unction or drive of the Holy Spirit himself within the prophet. Um, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. This is, this is after, after Jeremiah, he'd, he'd been beaten, imprisoned, mocked, told to knock it off. Um, and he says <clears throat> in verse 9 of chapter 20, if I say, I will not mention him, that is uh, the Lord. I, uh, okay, I will. <clears throat> sorry. If I say that, uh, that I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in. And I cannot. Right, so this, again, this is, this is the Holy Spirit moving through uh, this man. And uh, we, w- we again won't go through uh, the whole episode with Balaam, but uh, Numbers 22 to 25, it's, if, if Balaam weren't so horribly wicked, um, from what we know elsewhere in the Old Testament, it would be thoroughly entertaining to to see this, this, this man who, who is a, a diviner for profit. That's, that's why the king of Moab sent for him. Uh, he's going to pay him to come and curse the people of Israel. Um, but each time he opens his mouth, the Holy Spirit turns his words to actually bless Israel rather than curse Israel. Four times. And, and it just gets stronger and stronger each time till. Balak finally says, go away. Yeah, okay, enough, enough. All right. True and false prophets. How do we, how do we know? Turn with me to uh, Deuteronomy 18, if you would. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. Chapter 18, verse 18. And we'll read through the end of that chapter. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? That, I mean, it's a good question, right? Here comes a prophet, looks like a prophet, sounds like a prophet, and, and, and the question is, well, how do we know, right? Verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So here's 
first, first thing that we have is this connection between what's spoken and reality, right? So that's a, that's a, a fairly straightforward one. <clears throat> but turn back with me to Deuteronomy 13, the first five verses, because we get something more that is helpful for us. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives a sign, gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So Deuteronomy 13 brings us face to face with someone who prophesies something that happens to come to pass, but that prophet is also calling people to leave the God of the Bible. And then what do we do? Well, it's, it's, so there is a, an orthodoxy test of doctrine that's attached to just being able to predict that something will happen. Right? So it's, it's, uh, we have that as well for us. Okay, we're going to skip Genesis, or sorry, Jeremiah 23, uh, but, but uh, do head to, to Jeremiah 14 because we want to see this. Um, this, has, uh, yes, this has some impact for us as well as we... In the, in the realm of the voices that we listen to. Jeremiah 14, verse 11. The Lord said to me, Do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Then I said, Jeremiah, I said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, you shall, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. So Jeremiah here is trying to say, listen, they're, they're just deceived. Don't, don't be so hard on these people. They're, they're listening to false prophets. They're, and this is why they're going astray. Um, so he's, he's, in a sense, pleading with the Lord. The Lord agrees, by the way. Said to me, verse 14, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They're prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them, and who say, sword and famine shall not come upon this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. And, verse 16, the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem, victims of famine and sword, with none to bury them, them, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, for I will pour out their evil upon them. I just want us to see the, the seriousness, not only of, of God's judgment upon those false prophets, but for those who heard, who listened, who followed. Right? That, that should just weigh on our hearts about 
how we, what we, what we let in, right? What, how, how big is your screen? What does your screen look like? And what, what do you let in, right? Okay. <clears throat> We're going to pass by Micah 3. That's bonus work for you uh, as well um, later this week. But another aspect then of prophets as we, we close out this part of it is this, this sort of incomplete or watching, waiting, wondering part of, of being an Old Testament prophet who's, who's given something to say and they say it and they're not exactly sure what it means. Uh, that may, that may, if, if that strikes you as strange, just bear with me. Um, and, and 1 Peter 1, verses 10 to 12 will, will help us. So 1 Peter 1, verses 10 to 12, um, Peter writes, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And so we, we see... The, the picture here is these Old Testament prophets are, are proclaiming the Messiah and the coming salvation of the Lord in, in time and space in a place, and they didn't exactly know who that would be or when that would be, but they inquired, and what they came to understand is that it wasn't for them, but it was for others. And... and uh, Others who then preached this good news again by the Holy Spirit uh, sent from heaven. And angels still are, would love to look into this and understand this even today. Uh, Hebrews 11 gives us that same uh, bit in verses 39 and 40. At the end of that famous chapter... Yeah, Hebrews eleven thirty nine, and all these. This is after this is after giving a long list of folks, right, who have who lived and died by faith in God's promises. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So there is, there is a, an idea here that God's plan works through time. And, and though it's, it's not as though these folks weren't saved to the fullest, but they only saw the promise of Christ as something future. And, and we, on this side of the cross, have the blessing of being able to look back on it in, in real space and time and know this happened, you know, at this place and, and this time. And this was his name, and these are the names of those apostles who walked with him and, and people that he blessed and he commissioned. That's, those are amazing, wonderful, beautiful details that Gideon didn't have and, and, and that, that 
Abraham didn't have this detail. And so uh, the Holy Spirit gave them what they needed, but not maybe everything that they wanted to know. The same thing from Luke 10, uh, verses 23 and 24. This is, this is after the 72 had been sent out and came back. And uh, they were reporting what, the, what had happened. <clears throat> and Jesus said, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right, so, so that's sort of a, a, uh, the big idea of, of prophets and the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> to turn to the apostles now in, uh, in the New Testament, uh, just very quickly, difference between a disciple and an apostle. A disciple is generally a learner. It's someone who, who learns or follows. Um, and an apostle is one who is sent. And, and, and not just sent, but sent with something specific and with authority. Sent with the authority of, of the one who is doing the sending. So look with me at uh, Acts chapter 1, starting in verses 15 to 17. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. And now down to verse 20. Peter's still speaking. He says, For it's written in the book of Psalms, May his camp be desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Okay? So what we see is they're, they are looking to replace Judas in this office. And, and we get the job qualifications, right? It's, it's someone who has been with Jesus through his entire ministry from baptism to ascension. That's point one. And somebody who has seen the resurrected Christ. Um, it is a finer point, but an important one, to make the distinction between just this being a succession that just keeps going on and on and on and on uh, forever. Like, well, well, what about what about when Philip died? Did they go and find well? Um, you can only do that until you run out of people who, who saw the living Christ from baptism to ascension, right? So, so lest we go down the path of Peter as the first bishop of the Church of Rome and that succession of what that has become, we, we need to make sure that we're talking about a specific office at a specific time for a specific purpose, 
of proclaiming the word as the gospel first went out and, and begun, began to, to go out. Um, and, and just another note is, is uh, we, have, we have the death of another apostle, just one more listed in scripture. Bonus points for anyone who's got that. Say? James, that's right. All right. No, no evidence whatsoever of selecting his replacement. There's no other, no other like, okay, who's going to do that? Um, it's, it's not necessarily an argument from silence, but there is silence there, just to, just to know. Um, the, in in uh, verse 22, though, I want you to see, we get a job description right there at the end of it. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Oh, wait, hold it. I thought that was a job qualification, right? Somebody who had been, who'd been with him from the baptism to the ascension, the resurrection is in between those two points. So uh, the, the, it's, it's an interesting play on words. What, what Peter is saying is we need to find somebody who was a witness to become a witness, right? Who, who saw, in that sense of the word witness, to now be give testimony and witness to others. Yeah, I love that, love that. Okay, so I want to go through some passages uh, in the time that we have left of Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit in the lives and ministry of the apostles. So back to Matthew 10, if you would. There are parallel passages as well of this in Mark and in Luke. The 12 are just about to be sent out. And you, you might imagine uh, their consternation, maybe concerns. So Matthew 10, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, when they deliver you over, that is, people who are going to... Um, Take them to court, drag them before governors and kings. You see that in verse 18. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That should ring a bell with all of those, you know, I will put my word in your mouth. Prophets speak, right? Um, and, and, and again, we, we need to make sure that we first are looking at this and interpreting it to the immediate audience before we apply it and say, well, I guess I don't need to study that. God will give me the words. I don't need to get ready for Sunday school or for family worship or whatever it might be. You know, God will give me the words when the time comes. Uh, that's, that's a poor application <laughs> of this scripture. Um, but, but the, what's, what, but in that generation, for these men, these, this is what Jesus is telling them, right? They didn't have their pocket New Testament to pull out, uh, you know, or look up in their phone, right? So the Holy Spirit giving them words to speak at the time that they need it. So back to John. We've, uh, yeah, we've beat these words, but they're, they're good words to beat. Um, but here, just specifically in, in the, 
Jesus and his words about the Holy Spirit to the apostles. John 14, 16, and 17. And very brief, brief uh, comments on each of these as we go through. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we're talking about the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in the apostles, speaking truth and being with them forever. Uh, Next down the line is verses 25 and 26 of that same chapter. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here a specific promise, and I don't want to repeat everything from Pastor Dan's sermons of the past three weeks, but a specific promise that applies to the inscripturated word, right? The, the apostles have been promised that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 15, 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So here again is this picture of, of a faithful witness. Right? Of, it's not just what you've witnessed with your eyes, but now you have the witness of God literally uh, with you as you go and witness. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus himself, I guess, lest lest we have any uh, first century envy, uh, we are in a better position. It was to the advantage of the apostles that Jesus go away, um, that the Holy Spirit come. Okay. And finally, in this uh, little, little rundown, just 12 to 15, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the, Holy Sp- when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay. And uh, here we have um, Jesus in his kindness, knowing that the, the disciples, the apostles, couldn't receive everything that he had for them at that moment. They, they couldn't, there were things that they needed to know, but they couldn't bear things that were to come, and the the Holy Spirit becomes the messenger of that to them. All right, Resurrection Day evening. This is the first Sunday evening service we're aware of uh, in the church. Luke 24. uh, Luke 24. We know it's the same day. Um, 
from verses 29 and 33, which is the end of the Emmaus encounter, right, the road to Emmaus. Um, and uh, so verse 29, these two asked Jesus, to, they urged him to stay because it's toward evening, the day is far spent. Um, and he vanished, Jesus vanished. Verse 33, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, uh, seven miles, and found the eleven there. But we get down to verse 49, which is our, our target here. Jesus says, and to, to the eleven, and, and evidently to these two, uh, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So there are words of, of power that are associated here. And back to John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. This is the same night. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So there is, there is, there's a lot going on here, the Holy Spirit and these apostles, and they're empowering for ministry, even, even before Pentecost, right? Um, but, but here we have it as well. Okay. Um, in terms of methods that we see in the New Testament with apostles, no surprise, there are a lot of similarities uh, with the Old Testament and prophets. There are visions. We have Peter in Acts 10, right? Has a vision of a sheet, smorgasbord coming down, all kinds of fine things. And then the Spirit says to him, better go check the door. There are three guys looking for you. Um, uh, Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, caught up into the third heavens where he hears things that, that uh, can't be told. Uh, and then from Revelation itself, which I read from earlier, John, he's, he hears a command from the Spirit to write, and then he sees, right? He, he sees the Son of Man. He sees heaven's throne room. He sees uh, the, the woman on the beast. He sees the new Jerusalem. These visions are given to him. Uh, miracles, signs as well. Uh, these are attributed uh, not, not to the human. These are attributed to God the Holy Spirit. These are an attestation uh, or an accreditation of the authenticity of their office. Of what, of, again, what they're saying. It's not, a, it's not about their thing they're, that they're doing. It's about the, what they are saying, that it's true. And finally, there's direction given. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, calls the, the church to separate out Paul and Barnabas for a mission. Um, the, the Holy Spirit prompts Philip to go join the Ethiopian eunuch and then, and then <laughs> sends him off to Azotus uh, right after the baptism. Um, yeah, so, so direction and relocation. Um, all right, the last thing we have here, um, and, and uh, we're okay that we don't have a ton of time of it for it because of uh, the excellent work that our pastor has done these past weeks talking about the scriptures, but go with me to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, because this is, this is sort of the capstone of, of the prophetic and apostolic ministry. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. And we're going to read the remainder of that chapter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed or more sure, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the, the backdrop of this, you, you've, you've got to get this. That, that last verse is dynamite, but the whole picture you've got to understand. Peter is saying, we were with Jesus on the mountain. He's not talking about the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about the transfiguration, right? So Peter, James, John were with him, and they saw the glory, the glory of Jesus. And they saw Jesus having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. They saw this with their own eyes. Peter sort of went a little nuts and wanted to build tents and, you know, but, but they saw this. They had this experience, right? And what does Peter say as he thinks about that in terms of a source of truth versus the inscripturated word, okay? Look at verse 19 again with me. And he said, okay, so I, I have this experience, I have this memory, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Peter trusted Amos and Habakkuk and on and on and on more than his own personal memory of, of being with the Lord, even seeing the glorified Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he has advice for us in the rest of verse 19, to which you will do well to pay attention. Okay, so there's a good takeaway for us in terms of how we think about our own lives. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this up in more detail in weeks to come, but in our own lives, how we think about our own experiences and impressions and, and things that happen versus the inscripturated word which are not necessarily at odds with one another. I don't want to set them up a straw man here, but, but how do we weigh these things and understand what is real and what is true? And Peter gives us great, uh, blessed advice here, direction. Okay, but the big take-home here in, in, uh, in verse 21 is the reminder that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. And this, this will remind us of, of Hebrews... 1 1, right? And of Ephesians 2 19 and 20, where we started. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And you, and you heard that, that that verse, carried along, that verb, uh, is the same one from Acts 27 of Paul in the ship, and the ship is being driven along by the, by the wind, by the waves. They're doing whatever they can. 
But the reality is, uh, if you were to go up at, at 10,000 feet and look down on what's happening to that boat, uh, the, the, the work of those sailors is really meaningless. It's, it's, it's the wind and the waves that are driving that boat. And this is the picture of that, that verb here, that men of old spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right. Those other things there that uh, we didn't get to, enjoy them. Um, there's a long quote that I was going to bless you with from a Spurgeon sermon from when he was only 20 years old, which really makes me feel miserable at one level. <laughs> but uh, you have the title of that sermon if you wish to go and enjoy that, uh, and it will be a blessing to you. Final thing then in our own response to this, think about gratitude. Gratitude for God sending the Holy Spirit and working through, through prophets, through apostles, anointing the the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ as his inscripturated word came into being for us. Authoritative, efficacious, and sufficient word of, of God. Yeah, these are, these are things that we are uh, beneficiaries of and should be thankful for. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit who uh, spoke in many ways, many times, um, to our fathers by the prophets, who, uh, through whom the, the, the apostles wrote this word that we have in front of us. Uh, God, you are good and kind to us. You did not need to do these things, but you have, and we bless your name for it, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, quick announcements. Um, I'm just reading English here from the back of the bulletin, so I, I suspect you can do this as well. But for parents, if you've got kids that are going to be in Awana, registration's open, so uh, you have instructions how to get that accomplished. Men's breakfast. Everybody who's a man, raise your hand. Are you a man? Raise your hand. Thank oh, look at that. Okay. If you haven't signed up, you really should. You're, you're going you're gonna to wish you were here next Saturday. If you, can't, if you don't make it, you'll wish that you were. If you're going to help uh, in the kitchen, Rusty gave me the word, 6 a.m. is your start time, okay? 0600. All right, the rest of y'all, uh, 0725 with an appetite. And then for those who are um, planning on being part of the church plant, uh, take note of an upcoming meeting on August 11th. I guess that's next Sunday night. And that's not a redo of, uh, of what happened last month. So lest you be concerned that that uh, you're, you know, that there's just something uh, that you've already heard. Okay, you're dismissed. Let's go worship the Lord together. Good morning. That would be the Catholics' view of such things. That, that, that is not what you say. You're not confirming that. No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, I